<laughs> it's not surprising that there is so much confusion and so much anxiety for everybody, but especially for younger people, because they feel like they're supposed to have all the answers at a younger age, and yet there's no reason why they would. Welcome to the 20-Minute Podcast, a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church. We are a caring community reaching in friendship with Christ. Follow us on social media at King of Kings CR or visit us on the web at www.kingofkingscr.org. Well, welcome everybody to the 20 Minute Podcast. I'm Tony Dixon and I am sitting here with Pastor Rich Balvance. Hello, Pastor Rich. Good to be with you once again. Yeah, so we're here for another 20 minutes of hanging out and discussing some topics and things going on in the world. And I don't know, Rich, is anything on your mind today? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that we recently talked a lot about you as a person. You know, we got introduced to Tony Dixon in his background. And and amazingly, there are still people listening. (laughs) But, you know, we never really, we, we introduced you as who you are and what your job is at King of Kings Lutheran Church as director of Christian education, but we never really talked much about what that entails. Sure. And I thought we could sort of use that as our sounding board today to talk about youth ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is why I'm here, and I have what I would consider to be a great passion for young people and for walking alongside of them and equipping them as they grow in faith. And I think one of the reasons why is because, as I mentioned in the podcast that was all about me, mm-hmm. somebody had done that, or there were those, not just one person, but there were multiple people in the church who had done that for me and that God used as role models and as encouragers and just generally as people that I knew were there to support me. Mm-hmm. And that's such a vital part of any church's ministry. Yeah. You know, when you look at a congregation and a group of people, together. Our congregation here at King of Kings, I would say age-wise, is pretty diverse. We've got some people who have been here for quite a while and who are older. We've got families who are just now becoming families with new babies Mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. And everybody that is in our congregation plays a part in the lives of each other, including in youth ministry So that's my approach to this whole thing is the fact that we all are part of youth ministry, even if you're somebody who doesn't view yourself as somebody who's good with younger people, or maybe you feel like you're totally irrelevant or don't have any clue what's going on in pop culture. That's quite all right, because that's not what youth ministry is anyway. Not really. So let me ask you this. This is kind of a personal question before we get any deeper into this. Well, that's probably now is a good time to ask. Now is a good time. Yeah. (laughs) So what age were you when you felt like you were grown up? Oh, man. Uh, you speak in a past tense. Well, <laughs> when, when, you, when, when, I start, when we had kids. <laughs> when you perceived yourself to be an adult. I think that for me there were stages of that, honestly. Okay. I, some of those milestones were things like voting for the first time, were things like moving out on my own or mm-hmm. going to college. And each step of the way, those were those things that, for me, gave me a little bit more responsibility and challenged me a little bit more and pulled me away from what I was comfortable just kind of hanging out 
under my parents' mm-hmm. umbrella of whatever you want to look at that as protection or making decisions for me or helping me make decisions. And all of a sudden, you know, it was up to me. So I would say, yeah, around the time that I was 18, 19 years old, but in terms of actually maturing and growing and becoming an adult, I'd say that was a process that had many steps <laughs> that maybe yeah, is still it, continuing today. <laughs> what interests me about that is that it seems that that perception varies from one person to another. Oh, absolutely. And personally, just so you know where I'm coming from. I was going to ask. I was probably younger than that. Yeah. But a lot of that has to do with what responsibilities you are given. Growing up on a farm as I did, yeah. you have certain levels of responsibilities that you're expected to to carry out and sometimes that makes you probably feel older than you really are or more adult than you really are just because you're doing adult things sure but you know i would say i was probably still in high school at least and probably early in high school when i considered myself an adult yeah and other people may not have but i i considered myself an adult at that time. And the reason I ask that is because I've read things here in the last few years about how this process that you described mm-hmm. has been lengthening yes. uh, for a number of people in this younger generation. Yeah. Well, in a lot of cases, it's fascinating to look at the studies that have been done on this in terms of, if you want to call it youth ministry, that's fine, but really it's just development in younger people in general. And what they're finding is two things. On the lower end of the age spectrum, kids are being put into adult type of situations younger than they ever have been. So that creates some challenges. And on the other end of that spectrum, people who are aging into their 20s are finding themselves uh, not going out and viewing themselves as adults, as people who... Uh, are responsible for themselves. Maybe they still rely on others to provide for them or uh, to give them direction in life or those sorts of things. So on both ends of the spectrum, you see that age of adolescence broadening. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that there are all sorts of challenges that go along with that because where you used to approach that maybe sixth grade or middle school, so sixth or seventh grade, what are you talking, 12, 13 years old at that point to 18, that's about five or six years, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of a sudden, you've broadened that to maybe 15 years. You know, if there's a 10-year-old out there who is having to think through things like, who am I as a person? How do I identify? Or they have a phone and they have access to some of those things that they would never have had access to 15 years ago. So you've got a much, much broader spectrum of youth. Mm-hmm. If you, I'm doing air quotes, right? Yeah, I do that, yeah. which is pointless in a podcast. But that's the, you've got a, a wide range of ages that might still consider themselves a youth person. Yeah, yeah. What I think is interesting is, you know, when the church approaches this, I would have to say that to a large degree, we're still thinking – you know, junior high, high school, then you're an adult, and and then, but probably haven't taken fully into account this sociological change that has occurred in the broader definition of adolescence. Yeah, I would agree with you. And one of the things that 
we could probably do more of is just simply asking the kids and talking to them about where they're at with some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Because if you, in my experience, I'll speak from my own experience, if you were to ask them something, whether that's specifically a topic that you're discussing or that you're bringing up in a sermon, and if you ask them what they thought about that, in most cases, they've already thought about it. Mm -hmm. They've already thought about some of these things and they may not know exactly how to communicate what they believe or how they feel about it, but that doesn't change the fact that they have already been thinking about this stuff, including world issues, mm -hmm. politics, the pandemic situations that are going on. I think for adults, mature people like myself, <laughs> right. uh, we're, we are more focused on that older age yeah. of development because we like to kind of make fun of those people who, in our minds, haven't quite matured yeah, yet. Yeah. But as you describe it, to me, it would seem like the greater concern would be on the younger end, as young people are increasingly challenged with adult issues at an earlier age. Well, at the younger end of things, you have more of a chance to help them form and shape those opinions or beliefs. And it doesn't have anything to do with indoctrinating them so much as helping them think through these things and where they stand on it without telling them what they are to believe. Someone's telling them what to believe. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're getting that from somewhere. That's exactly right. And I think a good example of that, well, <laughs> there are many good examples of that, but I have experienced that most in conversations about how they identify, mm -hmm. gender identity. And you could ask any number of 7th or 8th graders right now, how many kids in your school, um, or how many, not even just kids in your school, how many kids do you interact with that are in your friend group who are questioning, who are identifying in a way that isn't their um, biological you know, gender. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure I'm going to say that wrong and uh, hopefully don't get in trouble because I'm not trying to be insensitive, but, but they're, it's out there and they're faced with this. And so they're trying to process that and they're trying to figure it out as a 13 year old or 12 year old. They're trying to figure out how am I supposed to feel about my friend who I like as a person, mm -hmm. but I also know that he was he last year and over the summer, you know, decided to transition and to identify as a female. And so does that mean I can't be friends with them? From my standpoint, if it's confusing to me, yeah, how horrible must it be for a person that lacks that experience and maturity at that point? Right. And if you couple that together with the fact that a lot of younger people feel like they're supposed to have answers about this stuff. It just goes down a road that it, it maybe I should say it this way. It's not surprising that there is so much confusion and so much anxiety for everybody, but especially for younger people because they feel like they're supposed to have all the answers at a younger age. And yet there's no reason why they would. Yeah. We don't have them now as adults. Why would they have them in sixth grade? Yeah. If we start relating this back to the church yeah. in a little narrower focus and brought in some of the principal challenges that middle schoolers or even younger than that that are, that are facing today that we would consider to be more adult issues. Yeah. Where would we start? Do we start with who is God or 
where, where does that begin? I am a big believer that relationship is at the core of whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And so whether we're looking at that in terms of relationship in our youth ministry between the kids themselves, and of course the, there's a, that element of hopefully their relationship with God, like we started this off saying, there's the whole rest of the church. And so we've got opportunities for kids to build relationship with Sunday school teachers, with pastors, and honestly, just with other congregation members. And as those relationships are built, those conversations that we're talking about, whether the question is, who is God, or why do bad things happen in the world, or how do I respond to my friend who identifies differently now, those conversations will happen, I think, more naturally and more organically if those young people know that they have a church full of people, any number of which they could bounce this stuff off of or talk to, and they won't be judged or looked down on for not having an answer, Mm -hmm. and that it's okay to wrestle with some of this stuff. So, in other words, young people's regard for or view of the church is highly dependent on the people in the church whom they interact with. You know, as it turns out, yeah, that's that's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, maybe an even simpler way of putting it is if they feel like the people at church are jerks, why would they come to church? Yeah. And maybe we can all relate to that yeah, somewhat. So just oh, I'm, to be, I'm so sorry for being a jerk. Just to, well, we all are at some points. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that we are jerks at church, but like you mentioned earlier, it's harder maybe the older that we get, and I'm going to include myself on this too, it's harder not to look at young people and say, oh my gosh, like, what are you doing? You know, maybe out of frustration or whatever, wherever you're coming from. But we have a great opportunity to come in alongside of them and to, to model what our Christian faith is like, but also model the fact that we don't have to have all the answers. If we could shift uh, a little bit away from just the congregational perspective and bring it closer to home. The parental role in all of this, I mean, this is who gets the public blame and shame is right. is on parents. And then they load it on themselves Yeah, when children uh, are not faithful in, in their faith anymore or fall away from the church or whatever. From a youth ministry perspective, how do you address the parental situation that children today find themselves in? Yeah. I would say this, and everybody who is a parent, and even those, some who are not, understand the importance of being in the lives of of children, and not just each other, but especially as they're developing. Um, Parents, as you can certainly speak to as a pastor, have a great responsibility, and it's a blessing to have family and to have kids, and I believe there's a reason why God brings that up and gives us example after example in Scripture about parenting and about the importance of that role and how that's not to be taken lightly. But in a lot of cases, when it comes down to it, parents feel probably just as helpless as anybody else when it comes to their their youth. I can't speak to that yet personally because my kids are not that age, but I will say even with a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, there are times where I feel like every single thing that they're doing, every action that they take is a direct reflection of my parenting ability. And you know, because you've, you've yeah. got grown children now and grandchildren, 
you know how that feels, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> well, and there may be times when that is good. It is good, but other times it's like a pencil in the eye. That's you know? right. <laughs> Most of the time, you feel like you're under the microscope because every little thing that is happening with your kid, other people are watching. And although I would, I would say most of the time that's probably not the case, a lot of parents of youth around this age, whether middle school or high school, they seem to be really struggling to figure out exactly how to approach the situation as well. Mm-hmm. There's study after study out there of people trying to figure out what the needs of younger people are and how to best be there for them and how to best address that. And in that case, you're talking about like psychologists and sociologists and educators. Parents, just regular people, are trying to figure this stuff out too. And they love their kids and they, in most cases, love them and they're there for them. And they want to figure this out, how to support their kids just as much as anybody else. But it still is a challenge, and that's where we as, as the church and in youth ministry, for me as a youth director and for you as a pastor, we seek to equip families simply for that purpose. We realize that nobody knows these children better than their parents, hopefully, I mean, as, as God kind of designed it. But at the very same time, the parents may just need that confidence booster from a pastor or from a DCE or a youth director to say, hey, you may feel like your kid just like rolls their eyes every second of the day at you (laughs) and everything that you do and every joke that you tell and every time you try to be funny. But if that wasn't there in their lives, there would be a huge hole. Yeah. And so even when it doesn't seem like they want you to be there for them, as a parent, your role in their life is crucial, even if it's just being there, Mm -hmm. not having the answers. Not figuring out how to answer the questions we were talking about earlier, like gender identity stuff. Yeah. Just being there. So it is an issue then of ministry to a group of people that includes from much younger than we maybe originally thought to somewhat older than may have been traditional and then backs up into the parental category as well. Give me an idea of... How do you do that? I mean, what kind of perspective? Because I don't like to talk about programs. Uh, I'd rather talk about a perspective. And you mentioned relationship. Mm -hmm. How do you go about bringing that all together then? I would say that a good place to start for parents is the resources that God has given us in his church and in his word, making that a part of your family, making that a part of your lives. You know, Proverbs talks about raising your children up in the way that they should go, and and when they're older, they won't depart from that. That's a verse that comes up a lot for all sorts of reasons, but it actually is statistically proven. That's the interesting thing. I came across a study not too long ago that showed that a much greater number of millennials came back to church because they were raised in the church. They went away for a time, but they came back. And so, again, for families and parents of middle schoolers or high schoolers or whatever age, there are going to be those moments where your kids are trying to figure this stuff out. And it may not be an easy path. In fact, it won't be an easy path. And there won't be a clear point A to point B type of thing. But as a family, we have those opportunities to be involved in different ways in worship and in church and in the community here and with pastors. Relationship is very important to a lot of young people. 
So to rely on those relationships that God has built into his body, this mm-hmm. congregation, I would really hope and I would like parents to see the value in instilling this stuff in their kids. And once your sixth grader or seventh grader gets to a point where they have to face some of this stuff, at least you know that you've done what you can and you trust that God is doing what he's doing to have a a worldview that includes a savior that died for them, that includes hope beyond this world because of Jesus. And that's where I believe a lot of young people are going to find their hope, not in figuring out all the answers, not in being the best student, not in being good at every sport. All of those things are fine, but what young people will find hope in is the fact that this isn't it. I always like the example that we're given of uh, Timothy and Paul. And, you know, Timothy had the upbringing, the solid upbringing. He had the mentor in Paul, and he surrounded essentially with people who were concerned about his yeah, that's, his maturity. That's, I would say, one of the greatest examples that you could have of multiple people really bringing up someone in the faith. Because Paul calls Timothy his son in yes. the faith. And then in First Timothy chapter 4, goes on to, I think, offer words of encouragement to Timothy in saying, you know, don't let anyone look down on you or despise you because you're young, but set an example, Yeah. right? Realize that what you're doing, even as a young person, can have a great influence on those around you, and it is important, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's a gift, being able to, as a congregation and as families and as pastors and as youth directors, to be able to walk through that stuff with younger people. And again, it's not easy. It's really hard some days. Yeah. I think you know that. You've been at this for a little while. So, I mean, there are hard days uh, when you're trying to walk alongside somebody as they figure this stuff out. Yeah. But that's why we're here. And that's why, <laughs> that's why we are the, you know, we're the church. Exactly, yeah. I can't imagine, and I, it bugs me to think about this, but I can't imagine what it's like for somebody to have to go through some of the things that young people have to go through and they feel like they're on their own. No. I can't even wrap my mind around that. That just really, it gets at me and maybe acts as even more motivation to say, what can we do to help young people know that they're cared for and that they're loved, yeah. even if they feel like no one else is there for them, that God is there for them. Nobody wants to be left on the outside looking in. Oh, man, I know it. Yeah. I know it. So, yeah. Good discussion. Yeah. I mean, this is a, an area that is very important and meaningful to me. I'm passionate about it, and so I, I appreciate having the time to talk a little well, bit Well, now we it. know about you, but now we know about what you're about. So uh, <laughs> what that, I'm all about. Yeah, what I'm all about. So people good. are going to get tired of hearing about me. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> are you feeling youthful? Now do I end? feel youthful? Or does did or, this make you feel even older? You know, I have to do have to say that my time spent with Tony Dixon makes me feel younger. And uh, not only that, more energetic. And it's just a real stimulation to activity and ministry and all these things that that you provide. And here is your $20. (laughs) 